Join us at our annual conferences in Surrey, Sydney and Florida to get up to speed on this year's theme of Next Generation ITAM. For more information, head to itassetmanagement.net forward slash events. Today's podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sam Charter. Sam Charter are offering our podcast listeners a free copy of their Sam ecosystem. Simply enter your email address at bit.ly forward slash Sam ecosystem. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Sam ecosystem, all one word. Now, this is the sort of um, system model that you're going to want to print out and stick on your wall at work or at your home office or wherever it is that you do your Sam awesomeness. Rory Canavan from Sam Charter suggests that this is consultancy in a can because it gives you a bird's eye view of all the processes you'll possibly need for a Sam practice. It also aligns to the Sam Charter process kit and can be integrated with your ISO 19770 um, implementation. So for your free copy, please visit bit.ly forward slash Sam ecosystem. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. News, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review. And today I have, um, uh, I was going to say old contact, but that's not very polite, is it? I have a, um, a colleague <laughs> um, who I first met at Elcom. Um, many, many moons ago. I, I'm guessing that was probably the early 2000s. Um, yes. Called um, Gemma. And uh, you <laughs> recently picked up um, Licensing Specialist of the Year uh, for 2017 in the Item Review Excellence Awards. So I um, wanted to have a chat with you about what you're doing, what you're up to, and um, what's happening in your area of expertise. So Gemma, welcome to the Item Review podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, so my name is Gemma Walker. I've been in the salmon licensing world for the past uh, 18, 19 years. So um, as I was speaking to a customer yesterday, I've been doing Microsoft licensing since last century. Um, It started as licensing and has developed into SAM. And I have seen the technology change, the industries change, uh, the models used change um, over the time. It's been a very interesting journey so far. So we first met at um, Elcom, and I think you were um, licensing specialist there, if I remember. Um, so could you yes. could you maybe give a, a, a insight? I'm always interested to find out. Nobody chooses this particularly; they sort of fall into it and stumble into it. Um, where, where, where did you um, where did you start from? Maybe right back to school or college or whatever. And how did you? come into the role that you're in now? So um, I came out of uh, college and uh, was doing some catering jobs which weren't paying particularly well 
And however, my spend per head in the Little Chef was one of the highest because I used to sell at the table. So people coming up and wanting a cup of co coming into a Little Chef and wanting a cup of coffee, they'd, they'd buy a tea cake with it. If they're buying a tea cake, they would buy jam with it. And I actually put a sales program together um, for my Little Chef branch, which was used in some of the other branches as well, uh, to teach the other um, waiting staff in how to sell to customers. And if you sell to customers, you've got bigger tips. So that kind of worked well for everyone. But circumstances changed that I couldn't do that because it paid rubbish because it's catering. Um, and I looked to get an office job and ended up in IT sales. So selling, the com selling computers, um, you know, across the, um, like 486s and uh, print cartridges and things like that. And then um, the, li the licensing, that was for Alcom. That's, okay. That was uh, AMA as it was before it became Alcom. Um, the licensing specialist who looked after the Microsoft agreements and uh, all the other uh, licensing uh, manufacturers uh, left for another role. And because I was the only one who seemed to have a vague understanding of what a license was, um, they just went, do you want to do the job? And I went, stupidly, you're all right then. Um, I think started lot, doing that. I think a lot of people um, <laughs> start in that, in, in that, in that regard, don't they? Like the, what's, what's the word? The, um, uh, in the in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. You know, if you, if you have a, an ounce of knowledge, you usually have more than everyone else, and therefore you get the job. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And the fact that nobody else wanted to do it. Um, and it took it took a good 12 months to figure out what I was doing. I didn't realize how much I didn't know. And I took it on myself to learn about the licensing agreements, learn, read the contracts, look at the terms. Um, so when I was supporting the um, company's business, and so a salesperson would come to me and go, my customer has a question on. Um, I would speak with the customer, we'd work it out. If I didn't know, I would tell the customer I didn't know, go off, research it, come back with an answer. Um, and as this progressed and business took off hugely, and I was very successful at Elcom, um, it's, I, I annoyed the salespeople greatly because every time they went, the customer said, I want to buy a copy of Office, my answer was why? Why do you need that other copy of Office? Haven't you got enough copies? Do you know how many copies you've got? What, why, do you, why are you doing this? Why are you spending this money? Why are you buying 100? Why aren't you buying 53 or 117? You're obviously guessing. Um, and we, it just kind of went from there. And I started very, very early on. I realized that in order to be able to uh, supply licensing correctly to customers, we needed to we needed that start point we needed a where are you now question so i started working with a couple of local sam companies um i advertised through fast who would like to come and work with us partner us uh we got that in place and i learned more about sam and um after six years of doing that at um elcom just the licensing piece i was in the sales piece long before that as well um, I, it was kind of time for me to move on and I left Elcom and moved to Basilica and set up their Microsoft SAM offering there. Right. And um, Basilica went on to get bought by BT, I think it was. BT. It? Right. Yeah. Are we there through that purchase? 
Yeah, I went from, well, Elcom, Elcom went from being a tiny company to a big company back to being a tiny company. Basilica was a bigger reseller. There was 800 people in there. So that was bigger than I'd worked with before. And then suddenly BT bought us. And all of a sudden we were one, of, one tiny dot in 100,000 people. And they have so many diverse businesses within the BT group. Um, there's so many different fingers in pies and things like that. And I got the SAM business kind of up and running and then I was asked to manage the salmon licensing team there. So I had seven licensing specialists working for me in all with various uh, specialisms. So, you know, a couple of Microsoft people, a VMware people, um, people who knew about security products. It was a whole mix and with me doing some SAM bits over the top. But working for a reseller doesn't work very well in a SAM business because the customers, quite rightly, are quite distrustful because we're salespeople. We're all on a target. We all need to make money. So why would we do a, an independent job? Why would we actually give an honest answer? It's because we're honest people and we're really nice. Um, but I think my team, who are absolutely awesome, were also very special in that right. There was... We knew, we knew where the unscrupulous salespeople were in licensing. We knew the ones who didn't research their business. We knew the ones that weren't necessarily lying to the customers, but were lining their pockets slightly more than appropriate. So we just, tried, we just did a good job, and our bit, the, the growth in our business reflected the good job we were doing. So, um, before we come on to what you're doing now, um I think, if I remember right, there's a guy that used to own Elcom. Was it Phil, somebody? Um, there was lots of people that owned Elcom. I went through three. I went through three management, like as in business takeovers or changes. Right. <laughs> um, I, I forget that he went on to because he went on to acquire lots of different resellers. Um, um, I think was it Kelway. He went on to form, or he bought Kelway. Um, no, Kelway bought Elcom. Port Kelway bought Elcom, right. Out Kelway, yeah, that was different. Kelway bought Elcom because, um, yeah, we couldn't, we can't possibly talk about that. <laughs> right, okay. And then uh, the reason so I ask is I thought that the, 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 yeah. the sort of the founder um, or one of the founding members of Livingston bought, started a company which he sold to Kelway, if I remember rightly, back, back in the dim and distant absolutely. past. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was looking to move from, I was looking from, to um, change from BT because I wanted to go away from the licensing bit. And um, Jason Alloway, who started uh, the original Livingston business when it was called Specialist Software Services, uh, I knew from the industry because everybody knows Jason. Um, and so I gave him a call and I actually interviewed at Sam Practice for a role and with Simon Lutie as well, who's still with us at Livingston, and um, went through the interview and they didn't call me back to tell me if I had the job and he wouldn't answer my phone calls. And I spent three frustrating weeks um, waiting for a call back. And um, then I note there was something in the industry press that they'd just been purchased by Kelway. And I rang Jason, he picked up and he went, I'm sorry, I can talk to you now. <laughs> Do you want to come and work for me? And I went, no. <laughs> In the nicest possible way, I was looking to move away from big, complicated, messy reseller background. And if I go to Kelway, not only am I going back to my old job, 
but I'm going back to an even more bigger, complicated reseller. So I turned him down and stayed at BT. So um, you, you moved to Livingston. Could you um, tell us what you do there? What, what do Livingston do and what you do, what, what's your part of that? So, um, well, it kind of follows on because things then circumstances within BT changed. There was a lot of restructuring within the organization and I made a decision to leave and I knew Jason and Kelway had parted company um, and he was setting up uh, this new business, uh, SSS, which is now Livingston. And I rang him again and I went, do you want me now? Is that all right? And did a proper interview. Uh, there was a pint of beer involved uh, in a bar. Um, that was my first interview um, and then I came for a second interview and I was one of 27 people so it was the company was a year old it was still very much in startup mode um, it was a huge change from BT and basically uh, Jason wanted my Microsoft expertise he knew I was quite good at my job um, so we Basically, so my role was I brought in the uh, gold status for um, the SAM competency for Microsoft. We started picking up lots more um, Microsoft reviews through Microsoft UK and Microsoft USA. Um, and basically, we were promoting the Microsoft piece was and still is a relatively small part of Livingston as a business as in doing tactical direct work with Microsoft but it does give us an introduction to a wide company base customer base and while we were in that initial growth period it was a very vital revenue stream just to get us going if that makes sense yeah yeah so what what you said that's the minority what what is the majority of Livingston's business these days so Livingston is a independent software asset management company. What we do is we work with incredibly large, complicated customers who find SAM. It's a challenge. They have too many tools, too many, not enough process. Um, so we are able to divert, to bring all this complication together and provide them a software asset management position or uh, risk position for across all the major vendors on the market we have 50 plus uh, licensing specialists here and you have no idea how difficult it is to employ a licensing specialist um, it's that the, the we've lit we've, we've, I went to see a customer yesterday and two of our employees worked on the same customer but in previous roles because we are because we are so unique in the market and we're so specialist and expertise is king here those so why, experts in other resellers and other businesses are coming to us why why are you unique um it's our say it's the volume of knowledge that we have so a lot of in reseller land most of the sam specialists the sam teams are two or three people in a corner in a dark cupboard uh, away from the sales teams doing dark magic and that's how it's treated um, licensing specialists in quite a lot of reseller places are considered almost like second citizens despite the fact they are specialists in their field um, we are about four times the size of any other independent if not more and what we deliver to customers is a comprehensive overview of their 
if they're software estates, we don't pick and choose vendors, we don't pick and choose technology. Um, we are able to bring it all together. So if I'm working with a customer who has uh, who's ha having a managed service and, we, and I, I look after their Microsoft position, I have somebody as specialist as me who looks after their Oracle position and somebody else who looks after their IBM position. You don't get some, every customer has an expert covering their um, compliancy. Right, and just to be clear, um, you don't sell software licensing? No, we no. sell nothing apart from service. Right, so you don't sell Snow, Flexera, Spera, Sotero, whatever? No, no, they're all the same to us in the nicest possible way. Right. They're just data. We are a data analytics so company at the core. Pure play, SAM, managed service? Yes, absolutely. Managed service, once to say, and we've got our own technology, but our technology is is the bit that combines all the hundreds of different sources of information that we get from each company and then uh, normalizes it and brings it all together into a single portal. So customers can go online and see their current licensing position. They can go in and see what's on individual desktops in desktop areas. It's country specific, site specific, uh, whichever way the customer wants it, whichever way it works best for the customer. Right. And um, you won the licensing specialist of 2017 um, back in November with our uh, ITM Review Excellence Awards. So congratulations for that. Um, I'd like to pick, you. your, pick your brains on what Microsoft is up to specifically on a couple of things, if I may. So um, they've brought out this um, new certification for partners. Um, have you got a view on that? Have you got anything to share on, on Microsoft's new partner programme? Specifically for SAM partners? Um, the, the, for the SAM partner program? No, because I haven't seen it. Okay. Would you mean, uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, no. Um, I know that they're bringing something out. I haven't seen, I haven't seen any detail on it. Um, around the Microsoft certification, they cancelled the SAM gold competency. Yeah. Um, because it's not a revenue stream and Microsoft is a business. The, um, it's not considered a revenue stream, it's a service. So it's not, it, licensing generates money. Um, SAM doesn't necessarily generate money because they, well, it does, but it doesn't. Um, but they've, they've actually, they did come back to the fact that um, they are going to, they need good SAM people and they need to be able to benchmark them. Right. You've got to, you've got to value it as an assist, though, in scoring yeah. new customer wins. Surely somebody's got the sense to recognise that within Microsoft. Oh, oh yes, yeah. No, it, it's it's the powers that be up the top because there's no licensing specialist competency either. Right. So they've removed that as well. So um, whereas you knew if your licensing provider had you know had a badge to say actually we've we've ticked a few boxes, but we've obviously done some training and we know what we've got an idea of what we're doing. Um, there is a badge to show that you've been through that process as opposed to somebody else right. who so hasn't. So what I was referring to is, is the, the sort of idea for Microsoft that they launched back in Washington in the summer last year that says if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a SAM managed service with a Microsoft blessed partner, then we won't audit you, basically. Oh, okay, sorry. You're not talking about competencies. Okay, so um, two years ago, 
we were approached by Microsoft UK to say we would like to launch a managed service program specific, um, specifically for customers, who, uh, sorry, for suppliers who do uh, a managed SAM service. We want it to be difficult to get on board. We want the best of the best in this. And we want it to be auditable and trackable. And they came to us to ask if we could do the pilot program. So we went through there. We, we did the pilot with them. Uh, we went through the information they gave us. They said, we would expect you to fulfill these criteria. Um, you know, this is our process management. Every step in our managed service has a written um, process. So, and there's an audit trail involved with our own processes, managing customers' audit trails. Um, we, were, we did uh, effective license position based on information that Microsoft gave us. Um, and then once we'd gone through their process, we then went back through their pilot program and went, this is relevant, this isn't relevant. Um, this, this information, how you've supplied it is not correct. This is not how we see it in the real world. And basically, we sharpened up the pilot program to um, give the next, um, but the next um, supplier on the list and actually a better chance, because some of the stuff they'd put together um, wasn't real world, and we do see it. You do see that a lot with the manufacturers. They're not quite in touch with what actually happens with customers. They just assume that everybody's going to be on the latest, greatest, shiniest things. Yeah. And we've got customers on NT4, so it's fine. We don't mind. We don't care what customers run. We just need to be able to report it. Um, so we became the first accredited company globally to carry the. Uh, Microsoft Managed Service Provider Badge, which was very exciting. And then Microsoft, then it went off to Microsoft USA, and then everything disappeared down a hole for 12 months. And then they launched it last June. So in June 2017. And they, it was announced, well, 2017 or 2016? 2017. Um, and it was launched and announced at the partner conference, and we were actually uh, there on stage to go, yep, this is what we're doing. So what did, why, if, I, if I'm a customer, why would I bother doing that? Because I'd have to share, share data with Microsoft, presumably, on a monthly, quarterly basis. What's, what's in it for me? Um, it's, okay, so um, it's not, you don't say the, the initial concern is oh, do we have to share data with Microsoft. You don't. You share install numbers with Microsoft uh, using their IAM tool, uh, which was previously known as Workspace. All the customer-specific data, as in machine name, serial numbers, um, is um, anonymized. Um, so it is literally all Microsoft can see is if you're a 300C customer, they can see you've installed 299 copies of Office or 301 copies of Office. There is nothing more complicated than that. The system will not let you send them data if it's, if it's not anonymized. If they can see it hasn't been through that process, it actually gets blocked by the system. But from a customer perspective, if, we, if you are a compliant customer and you want to build a strong partnership with Microsoft, um, you share information with them anyway. So th this is no different from you going, I'm looking to do an exchange program. This is what my exchange looks like now. This is how I would like to look at it to look in the future. And this is, this is how it's modeled. Um, so what, what, it what, does they, what, they, 
What are they actually doing with that data then? They're, they're almost getting an indicator of what you're up to, aren't you? So they can see, they yeah. maybe use predictive analytics to see what you're going to be doing in the future or something. Why, why do they need it? So the, um, it, it's a future planning. So it's you can see where um, various solutions are about to fall out of mainstream support, um, even various solutions falling out of extended support, um, how the uh, Windows server state is either heavily virtualized or um, not virtualized at all, and the customer wants to do some consolidation. They might want to look at cloud, so you kind of need to know where they, again, it's back to my first question that I always ask, why do you want to do this? Why is this important? Where are you now and where do you want to get to? And that all that information creates a much more open relationship with Microsoft. They know where you are, where you're going, where you want to be. And because they know that information, um, they won't put you on the review list. Now, there is the thing with the review list at the moment. It still exists, but there is uh, less requirement now around ELP. The whole review process is moving away from compliancy quite considerably and to the point where Microsoft are not bothered if you don't submit an ELP. If you go through the review process, we partnering with the customer will find out where you are now. We will build an ELP. You as a customer is looking to move to cloud. We will do further in analytics around the Office 365 side, for example, or the Azure side, depending on which route you want to go. And then we will say, well, this is, this is where you are now. This is where you want to get to. These are the kind of steps, some of the initial steps that you want to go to take that journey forward. And then that information goes into Microsoft. And then the customer works with Microsoft to put that together. If you're in within the managed service program, that is a constant conversation ongoing. It's it's a it's a proper partnership, and it moves um, it moves basically the customer Livingston and Microsoft working as uh, a trusted group. So like strategic advisors, if you wish. There's no it's it move, removes that supplier receiver relationship. But so why? Why the ELP removal? Because that's been in there for centuries, hasn't it? Like the why have they got lax with that? I understand it's strengthening the relationship, is it adding trust? But um, I was thinking when when I went to Washington, um, which I was lucky enough to go to last year. Um, part of me says that the ELPs are a bottleneck for them selling cloud. If if they have to wait for an ELP, it will stop them selling a cloud solution. And secondly. Um, Amazon, AWS are not ELPing, you know, and reviewing customers, and Microsoft need to be more friendly. What, what, what's your view on, on that sort of side of things? Um, so the ELP thing is, where are you now? So if you want to move to cloud, what do you want to move to cloud? I don't know. Well, let's let's understand where you are at the moment. So a majority part of the ELP is discovery and discovering the environment. So as in deployment side, um, to have a look at um, if you are moving to cloud, you need to know the entitlement side, as in what are you licensed for? So you can say, well, actually, you've got these licenses here that are working for you really well on premise. You can use those licenses in the cloud. You can move them across. You have uh, as your hybrid use benefit. You can take, but these licenses here are out of maintenance and they're out of support and you, you still want to use these servers. 
well, don't buy new licenses. Let's have a look at the consumption model. But we know you've got those servers there. We know they need to move. We know they need to change. So the ELP piece, which is entitlement uh, minus discovery equals a positive or negative number, is a valued piece because it gives you that starting point of where I, you can I get, go to. I get that, but you've said they've just taken it out as a requirement. Why would they do that? Um, well, it, no, it's not taken out as a requirement. It's taken out as a requirement to submit back to Microsoft and to resolve a compliancy position. Right. Most customers now are compliant. Customers have 99% um, of customers don't want to, they don't want a non-compliant position. They want to know that what they are using is what they are paying for. They are quite. They are all quite happy to pay for. Customers are happy to pay for something that they're consuming. What they don't want to see is um, overspend, which we see a lot of, quite a lot, of, mostly around the cloud services. Actually, we're seeing a lot of overspend coming through there. Um, and Microsoft also don't want customers spending too much money because then they resent Microsoft and then they stop spending money at Microsoft and go and spend it elsewhere. So. Microsoft's attitude is very much, we would like you to use what you pay for. Um, let's make sure we get that right. Right. So, so it's not about you forgot to buy a copy of Project two years ago. I've heard a few times in the last couple of weeks about people f feeling that customers are spending far too much on cloud. Can you give some examples of what you've seen in terms of people are overcooking it and spending too much? Where, where, where's the low-hanging fruit? What's the, what's the equivalent of Visio and Project on the desktop? Um, so on the desktop side, it's quite simple. If you're moving over to 365, you are going online, you are saying, uh, John Smith has an account. Um, and then the next person has an account, and the next person you work for your business, and everybody in your business has an account. Now, every business has people start, leave, change, move roles, all this sort of thing. And what customers aren't doing is managing that change. So they're creating more and more accounts for these new people coming in, and they're forgetting to remove the accounts for the people who are leaving. Now, Microsoft will just keep billing them. If you've got 10,000 accounts open, you will get a bill for 10,000 accounts. If you have only actually got 8,000 staff and you forgot to take off 2,000 accounts, you will still be billed for 10,000 accounts. They do have some breakers in there that if an account isn't used over a period of time, um, it will throw out markers through the uh, 365 portal to say, this account's been dormant for 90 days. Um, however, 90 days in a very, very large organization is a huge amount of staff change. And if you leave it for more than 30 days, it gets harder and harder to manage. And it's that whole, you know, it, it just, it's a snowball. It just gathers momentum until you've got this huge crashing thing at the bottom of a hill, which nobody knows where to start. Yeah. And, and as we've said on the iTime review in the last year, if you do get sharper on uh, Microsoft Office user accounts, then that's reflective on your SAP spend and on your Salesforce spend and all the other user based systems. You just need to be sharp for everything. Absolutely. You? Yeah. And say um, the absolute basics of SAM is how many people have you got and how many devices are you using and now with everything's moving away from device base everything's just focusing on the user it's um, it's very much pulling HR now human resources were always a big part of SAM because 
they, they're the people people. And it is even more important that HR has an inclusion within software asset management because everything is people-based. They know the people, they know who's employed, and uh, depending on the size of the company, they're also quite well connected with payroll. And you kind of need to know who you're paying. So um, always it always surprises me. Sorry, it always surprises me how many IT people I've said to. Can you tell me how many people are employed? Can you ask HR? And they have said to me, but they won't know that. Yeah, I, I was. You never get wages. Wages are not wrong for long, are they? It might be like no. twenty twenty-four hours. <laughs> um, people don't accept wages being long for wrong for long, and yet AD accounts might be wrong for two years. Just needs to be a bit of integration. Oh. AD is awful. Um, I, I, a big part of my uh, role, especially with cu cloud customers, is picking their Active Directory apart, pointing out uh, the really, really old accounts that are disabled. They're not necessary, but they're just cluttering up and hiding and, you know, hiding that visual of your nice, clean, shiny AD, um, not having a, a clear policy where to deactivate accounts. We see people with accounts that haven't been deactivated that are 6, 12, 18 months old. And that's a huge cybersecurity risk. Um, so again, software asset management, good software asset management, good user management, uh, greatly improves uh, business security because it's just another hole that you've managed to plug and you, you keep plugged. So if you were sat down with one of your customers and it was clear that they, the AD was in a bit of a mess and needed clearing up um, and they needed to focus on their, what's it called, um, joiners, movers, leavers process. Um, where would you urge them to start? What's the sort of advice there? I, 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 I say most business have, businesses have a relatively good entry process. I mean, the people who actually sat at a desk two weeks without a computer will probably disagree. But that doesn't happen too often. But yes, it definitely happens. But I would start at the leavers process. I would start at make sure that when somebody leaves, they get shut down. Because that is the piece the customers always um, miss out. We can get people in, we can get software in, we can get business moving. It's just when people leave, they forget to clean their computers off back to bare metal. They forget to um, deactivate all their access accounts. They forget to they forget all the online accounts, the online business accounts they use, and things like that. So getting that profile not working as quickly as possible is a real saver for both on the security side and on the license side. Yeah, and uh, I, I think much more people should be using single sign-on to do all of that so they can just fold that account and all the accounts die with it. Um, yes. So, so um, congratulations again on the Excellence Award win and thank you also because you're an active member on our forum um, and you're always digging in to help people on there for free. So very much appreciate your support on that. Um, last question for you before I let you go is what, what, what are you seeing happening around the Microsoft space? What, what do you think... 2018 will bring in the Microsoft New Year and any changes. What what do you see happening this year? So it, it's kind of this is a backwards looking forwards one. So I saw a speech uh, in 1999 where Microsoft and it was in fact this was Bill Gates himself talking about um, technology is 
going to be always on, at, but it's going to move to complete consumption. So he was stood there and he, go, and he took his wallet out and he said, I'm not going to have a wallet. I'm going to use my phone. I'm going to have a mobile device that I'm going to be able to use as my wallet. If I want to do a Word document, um, I'm just going to log on to Word for 15 minutes and write my letter and then I'm going to switch it off again. And I'm going to pay for that 15 minutes. It's the computing power, uh, especially around the desktop and communication, it's going to become consumption and it's not going to be about, I've got a license, I'm buying a license. I've been waiting since 1999 for that to happen. And 365 and Azure are very much pushing that model forward. And the difference this year is the customer uptake is increasing hugely. And all of a sudden, everybody's kind of going, actually, this is, this is a really sensible idea. So while Microsoft has moved, is very much moving into the per user space, um, I can see that per user space moving more to a, also moving to a consumption space in the same way as Azure computing is done. Cool. And and what how accurate those uh, insights were from him because it's pretty much that's the way it is, isn't it? I, I it's it's one of those. Um, it was early when I started licensing. I started in 1990 nine-ish, so it was all part of the millennium, millennium, new millennium, this is what's going to happen. And I have spent, I spent the next 10 years being disappointed because <laughs> there was nothing. <laughs> there were, it just didn't happen. Nobody did anything remotely near it. And then all of a sudden, email online came out. And that was really exciting. And then data centers started popping up and Rackspace and that's branding. Um, you know, all of a sudden, people started consuming the internet as more of a service as opposed to a platform for porn. Um, and it was you suddenly the market changed. But again, uh, the consumer market changed very quickly. Facebook, prime, Twitter, prime example of how quickly consumers are happy to move to that kind of, you know, this is what I'm going to, these are my services I get from the internet. And it's not until the last 12, 18 months that all of a sudden business has gone, hold on, this is actually a really good idea. Yeah, very extremely, and we like this. extremely scalable. Yes. And security, everybody goes, no, not using that, it's secure. Um, I've, I've had this conversation with many customers. Have you ever tried to get in to a Microsoft data center, a Google data center, um, and you know, AWS data. You cannot get in it. The data is locked. It's, they do funny things with it. So you can't wander in and take a hard drive out because there isn't actually any complete data. It's all fragmented. And then I look at them, I go, do you lock your server room door? And they go, it doesn't have a lock. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I think that the message that the security is actually pretty good is is coming through now. Yeah, and even if it's not watertight, then it's more watertight than you can do it in-house, um, is my view. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank Absolutely. you. It's, it's awesome to catch up with you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate your time. Thank, uh, well, uh, congratulations again on the Excellence Award win and everything you do for our forum. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you very much, Martin. <laughs>